Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode 27 of The Informed Catholic, episode 27. And we're going to do the readings for Saturday. All right, Saturday for uh, Ordinary Time. So uh, please subscribe and share. And uh, let's begin. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so the first reading, uh, we continue with the book of Hebrews. It's uh, chapter 9, verse 2, 3, eleven, twelve, fourteen, I keep saying the book of Hebrews, but... I think it's just the same. I know they say the letter of the Hebrews, but we'll continue anyway. He entered at once for all into the sanctuary with his own blood. All right, let's begin. A tabernacle was constructed, the outer one in which were the lampstands, the table, the bread of the offering. This is called the holy place behind the second veil was the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. But when Christ came as high priest of, of the good things that have come to be, passing through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not belonging to this creation, he entered once for all into the sanctuary, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of a heifer's ashes can sanctify those who are defiled so that their flesh is cleansed, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered, uh, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness, our consciences, from dead works to worship the living God. 
the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's begin again. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. A tabernacle was constructed, the outer one, in which were the lampstand, the table, the bread of offering. This is called the holy place. Behind the second veil was the tabernacle called the holy of holies. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that have come to be, passing through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not belonging to this creation, he entered once for all into the sanctuary, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood thus obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of a heifer's ashes can sanctify those who are defiled so that their flesh is cleansed, how much more would the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness, our consciences, from the dead works to worship the living God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. This is now getting to real serious um, theology. This is, um, I guess you can see the meat and potatoes of... Um, Christology or uh, salvation, basically. Now, he's talking about the tabernacle. The tabernacle is the original uh, portable temple that was built during the days of Moses when after the Israelites, uh, through the, um, after the Exodus, they built what's, um, it actually wasn't very big, um, probably 75 feet wide, maybe, maybe 80, um, uh, depending. It was, uh, done by the ancient way of measuring, which was called a cubit. A cubit is going from your elbow to the tip of your longest finger, your middle finger. Um, and it was, of course, that could vary, uh, with the height and uh, size of a person, of an average person, um, because, you know, people, you know, have different arm lengths, right? But it was not very big. There's what's called the outer court, all right? And it had basically, um, it was made from either lamb or goat's hair, which was weaved, and the colors were white, red, blue, or purple <clears throat> colors. And on the outer one, um, the outer court, the outer screen, which was be the courtyard, um, would have the images of angelic beings. Then this uh, inner courtyard, I mean, which is, you know, with which is the between the Holy of Holies and what you call the outer courtyard, there is a, um, a wa an altar, which is like an average size of a, of a family swimming pool. And 
it had the horned altar made of bronze. There was also uh, stuff they call akakia wood, which is a particular type of wood. And what happens is that um, there were seven horns on the bronze altar, which is where they burn the sacrifice of lambs, goats, and bulls. Then there's a, um, a, a little spot for the washing, for the priests to wash themselves. And then um, you go into, which is the Holy of Holies, the, the holy place. Um, interesting. You go through the first screen. Uh, this is only for the priests. Now the people <clears throat> stay outside. Um, I'm not too sure. I don't think they were allowed within the courtyard. Um, because that particular courtyard is only meant for the priests, I believe. Yes, it is meant for the priests. So it, I don't know uh, if the men, even men, average the average Israelite was allowed in. So you go into the, if past the first screen, curtain, and inside you'll find the lampstand, which is the menorah. You will find also the bread of the presence made of akakia wood. And um, on it was the bread and the wine, which the priests have to drink, eat and drink at the end of every week, which is, I think, on the Sabbath. Then there's another altar, which is the altar of incense. Uh, frankincense is burnt on it. And they usually they do mix it with cinnamon and other kind of um, stuff. There's also... Um, the holy fire, which the priests have to keep burning. Now, in in that particular little chamber, which is the priests are allowed, there's another screen, and that goes into the next chamber, the holy of holies. And there is the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant, again, is made of akakia wood, uh, beaten with gold. The, um, it's a box. It probably didn't look too big. I'm quite certain of it. But it was probably impressive to look at. On top of it, um, the box, uh, the um, Ark of the Covenant is a mercy seat. And then you got these angels with their wings outstretched. And... They meet uh, on both sides of the box and they look at each other. And that is the holy, um, on there is the mercy seat where the spirit of God talks directly to Moses. Only the priests were allowed to touch it. The priest would go in there, the high priest, and then he would sprinkle blood on it. And he had to be out. You know, go there for a few minutes and he had to go out. And that's usually uh, during a particular time of the year. Okay, so I explained that part. Now, now here an interesting thing. What he says here, a tabernacle was constructed. That's the portable temple. And the outer one, which were the lampstand and the table. Um, okay, the tabernacle was constructed, the outer one. In which were in, that's past the outer one in which were the lampstand and table and the bread of the offering this is called the holy place 
Behind the second veil was the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. Okay, but when Christ came as high priest of the good tidings that have come to be passing through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not belonging to this, this creation, he entered one, once for all into the sanctuary, and not, not with which the blood of goats and calves, but with his own, with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. So, to remember, it was an image of the heavenly tabernacle, the heavenly sanctuary, in which is in heaven. Moses made an earthly one. And so Christ entered and offered perfect sacrifice, which was based on his body and his blood. Because that was the way God wanted it. Now, there's a lot of mystery to it. Um, why God did it. But it was obviously, there's a reason why. And human beings, we, we need images. We need images to give us some, to give us fulfillment. And God understood this. We need all these things in order to help us, in order to to take up and to, to get us closer to him. The lampstand represented the light of the world. Christ is the light of the world. The Jesus referred to himself as the way, the truth and the life. That's the pattern of the, temp, the temple. The first area is called the way. The second is called the truth. And the third one, which is the Holy of Holy is called the life. People have to learn these things to understand it because Jesus mo uh, modeled himself after the actual temple. So when he, you know, he's God, you know, he's God and he understands this. He understands what we need. We need this, this sanctuary. We need this. And he is our sanctuary. That's what Jesus is. Jesus is the sanctuary. He's the sanctuary for our souls. He is, he, he fulfilled the role of priest, prophet, king, and sacrifice. He fulfilled this, um, this beautiful, um, act of salvation. He fulfilled the redemption that we need. And that's important. We have to understand that Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He's the fulfillment of the covenant. He's the fulfillment of eternal life for us. He brings, he brings us closer to that and we need him. All right, let's go to the next one. Before I go into the, um, the responsibility of Psalm, I want to focus a little bit more about this, um, of this passage in Hebrews. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that have come to be passing through the great, the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made by hands, that is, not belonging to this creation, he entered once for all into the sanctuary, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. So... <clears throat> The temple, the uh, like I said, 
it was almost like salvation on training wheels. Basically, the tabernacle, the portable tabernacle. Why, why did he give them that? Well, they, they were wandering for 40 years because um, they, they were not ready. The world was not ready. Not, they were not just wandering. The world itself was, in a sense, wandering like sort of like even the pagans. I would say the pagans were in their also in their own wandering. While the, the people of Israel were given the true revelation, the true knowledge that there is a God, but they were not yet completely converted, at least not all. I mean, some of them <clears throat> realized the, like a few, only a few realized that what just happened. I mean, the, you know, how some people can see what just took place before them. The, the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, water from a rock, food from heaven, manna from heaven, quails that God is taking care of them, the pillar of cloud, that was following them around the, the fire that was, you know, that was, you know, that blocked the Pharaoh and yet others, others, um, just overlooked it, overlooked it, which proves that miracles are only, you know, even if God himself, not that God himself cannot do, you know, is prevented from doing anything, but he, it just proves to some people that miracles can mean nothing, even if, you know, miracles can mean nothing, that God himself breaking into the world won't, uh, won't necessarily convert people. That the human heart, the human heart that is basically drenched in selfishness and paganism, because that's what paganism is. Paganism is pride, is sin. It's not necessarily just a statue, a, a statue itself. There's more deeper meaning to paganism. It is the pride, selfishness of the human heart, the stubbornness of the human heart is placing yourself before God, placing your own cruel, cruel desires before God. You know, it's, it's basically rejecting God, even the image of God. Paganism is also self-worship, but it's also self-loathing. Basically, a person is constantly looking for pleasure. Uh, a drug addict is looking for the next fixed. An alcoholic is looking for the next drink because they want to please themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then there's also the, the, the sexual perversion, which is also paganism. Paganism itself. Perverting one's own image and perverting the image of others. They weren't ready. Okay, the golden calf proved it. Only a few of them kept themselves from being perverted. And probably that was a struggle. So 
when you have Jesus going into the sanctuary, this is the heavenly sanctuary, and offering up a sacrifice, offering up himself, his own perfect blood to the heavenly sanctuary, not made by human hands, <clears throat> and revealing himself to a world that probably in some cases almost like a like a, a, per, a world that has gone through a sickness and still is going through a sickness the the world it's like god has to meet humanity at a point where they're finally reflecting on their own sickness it's sort of like i said it's the world is on training wheels basically like a kid like a kid's bike that needs training wheels before they can actually learn to ride that bike in a sense everybody was on was was sort of like on a a kindergarten class going through uh different stages we finally got to the stage of the philosophers where they began to finally step back and look at human being, look at humanity, look at itself and realize what are we exactly doing here? What are these gods? What are these, these things that keep holding us back? Why, why do we seem to have these problems? You know, are these really gods? Are, <clears throat> is, is a, is a, should a person not have self not have self control? The Greek philosophers have gone through this reflection about human behavior, about human beings, uh, in, in this, and, and reflected exactly what are we doing to ourselves? Why do human beings overindulge? Why the human beings are self destructive? Um, in 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 Israel through its revelation had to reflect on these things too because they went through all these different problems. They saw these problems that they were going through. Finally, uh, the Son of God comes into the world and the divine logos, wisdom itself, wisdom himself, wisdom and truth finally came and humanity was ready. It went through different spiritual stages now the world is ready for the salvation of uh, of the one true god of the incarnation and christ himself led us into the uh, you know took our humanity he took our sins he took everything and he went into that heavenly sanctuary not made by human hands and presented Our, uh, himself as our sacrifice so that we can be worthy so we can enter boldly before God in Christ and ask for mercy and this is this is this is what happened I mean it's one of the ways I mean it's not it's the sacrifice of Christ his perfect blood not animal blood not goat's blood not a bull's blood, not, you know, not a lamb's blood, but his own blood. 
All right, so Psalm 47. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. All you people, clap your hands, shout to God with cries of gladness for the Lord, the Most High, the Awesome, is the great King of all the earth. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. God mounts his throne and shouts of joy. The Lord amid the trumpet blasts. Sing praise to God, sing praise. Sing praise to our King, sing praise. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. For, for King of all the earth is God, and sing hymns of praise. And sing hymns of praise. God reigns over the, the nations. God sits upon his holy throne. God mounts his throne to shouts of joy, a blare of trumpets for the Lord. All right, so, I mean, basically, I think this psalm is quite clear. It's a, it's a temple psalm. I mean, sings, sing hymn of praise. You know, basically, it says it here. All you people, clap your hands. Shout to God with cries of gladness. It's very Pentecostal when you think about it, right? You know, most, you know, he is the he is the great king over the earth. God mounts his throne, and of course, I mentioned trumpets, blasts, sing praise, sing praise to the Lord, sing a hymn of praise. It's obviously this is a psalm that took place during the time of the temple, Solomon, at least. Okay, so let's now go to. Um, to the to the gospel. It's a very short one today. It's an in interesting. All right, Alleluia, Alleluia. Open open our hearts, O Lord. Listen to the words of your Son. Alleluia, Alleluia. It's from Saint Mark's Gospel. They said he is he is out of his mind. Huh. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Saint Mark. Jesus came with his disciples into the house. Again, the crowd gathered, making it impossible for them even to eat. When his relatives heard of this, they set out to seize him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. Jesus came with his disciples into the house. Again, the crowds gathered, making it impossible for them ever to eat. When the relatives heard of this, they, they set out to seize him, for they said he is out of his mind. Wow. Okay. This is uh, obviously relatives family members so i i believe they're back in nazareth when jesus came with his disciples into the house again the crowd gathered making it impossible even uh, uh, for them even to eat relatives his relatives heard of this story heard of this they set out to seize him for they said he is out of his mind so obviously he didn't have any fans among his um his uh, immediate clan or tribe, either from his Joseph's side of the family, or who knows, maybe even the side of the Blessed Mother. They, this was something 
obviously a shock to them seeing all this, um, seeing him such the, the site of attention, the center of attention was a shock. So people came, people came to see him. People wanted to see him. People brought their sick. They brought their, um, mentally ill. They brought their, uh, family members that were possessed. Um, they were bringing people, all kinds. Other people just wanted to hear, wanted to see him, wanted to know what was going on. If this is true, everything they said about him. Um, they were like storming the house. Uh, it was a shock uh, to to his relatives. Um, people back then, family members lived very close with each other. Uh uh, very close. I mean, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember as a kid um, when I lived with my family uh, in the Middle East, uh, in the West Bank, the Palestinian territory. Um, there was a big house. There was, I mean, my uh, cousins, uh, my grandparents, Everybody, the whole household was crowded. It was people. Um, and, you know, up the, up the road, not just right there, you could see it, was my uncle's house with his family. He was a lawyer. Uh, then in the village, the same village, there were other family members. They had their own house further up the road. A little bit of a more of a walk, but still, it was like maybe you could say the three like a three blocks walk and they had their own house. They had their own metal and welding, uh, factory. I don't, I don't, I don't think they run it now, but basically within a radius, you had family and relatives that lived very close proximity. Uh, imagine a century earlier, they probably even lived closer together. So not far away from each other. But the point is that they, that's how close people lived. In Jesus' day, they practically lived under the same roof, almost. Uh, basically, the, some, some had their own land, they lived further away. But the point is, that's how it was. And people were disrupted. They, Jesus' fame, his, uh, new, his new position was a shock. A shock to them. They... They just couldn't comprehend it. Where did this all this come from? Where you know how come all of a sudden he's a very popular rabbi? All of a sudden he has students following him around. All of a sudden people now he's not just a rabbi; he's a miracle worker. He's curing people. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. Where did all this come from? And it was a shock. Some, you know, this was, it was such a shock that they thought this is not, this is not Jesus to them. Now, the Gospels doesn't tell us what his life was like before, before his baptism with John. But we know, we know who believe that this is not, this is all part of who he is. He was always Christ. He just didn't reveal himself to the world. But to them, the, the family members, they didn't see all this. 
they they only saw a quiet probably not exciting maybe maybe they knew he was smart in the synagogue they knew he he they they knew he he memorized scripture very easily but they never saw this this was something that was probably they were just not prepared for it hit them like a truck seeing all this okay let's uh I'm going to see if I can pull out, pull out a, an article. Hold on. All right. This is an article from the National Catholic Registrar. Will the Catholic Church pass the Joe Biden test? All right. I'm going to read the article and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll review it. We'll question exactly some of the actions here. This is by Tim Bush, January 22nd, 2021. The U.S. Bishop's collaboration with the new administration on the areas of common ground cannot be accompanied by actions uh, actions hold on, that spread confusion over Catholic teaching in other areas. Okay. When Joe Biden took the oath of office on January 20th, he became... Uh, he became the uh, only uh, only the second Catholic president in U.S. history. The first was John F. Kennedy, and was frequently uh, John F. Kennedy was frequently famously questioned over by Protestants whether he was in fact a servant of the Pope. That was a, a basic, basic Catholic anti-Catholic smear when. When with Biden, a different question must be asked. One is focused less on the commander in chief and more on the church. How will the Catholic hierarchy treat a president who rejects aspects of Catholic moral teaching? The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB, is striving to provide the answer. In the wake of the election, Archbishop Jose Gomez the USCCB's president stated that Biden's policy position created a difficult and complex situation. While professing to be Catholic, Biden has pledged to advance distinctly un-Catholic policies on religious freedom, human sexuality, and abortion, including pledging to make Roe v. Wade the law of the land. Archbishop Gomez subsequently established a special working group of bishops tasked with coordinating the church's interaction with and stance toward Biden and his administration. Yet the hope of coordination is already fading. On inauguration day, the USCCB issued a strong statement expressing hope that Biden reverses his immoral plans to expand abortion. Shockingly, one of the Bishop Conference's own members, Cardinal Blaise Supich of Chicago, responded by condemning the statement and not Biden's policy position. This sends a message of confusion and contradiction on a clear moral issue. That doesn't surprise me. I'm glad we got to this part here because there's, um, there's one here from Church Militant on Blaise Supich. We're going to touch upon that. I'm going to read this article again in another episode. Okay, so now there's confusion now. They're divided. 
This, inc this incident comes on the heels of another one. In the late November, mere days after the working group's creation and shortly before the, his elevation to a cardinal, Archbishop Walton Gregory of Washington, D.C., waded into one of the most charged parts of the discussion. Speaking with a reporter, Cardinal Greg Gregory declared that he would allow Biden to receive Holy Communion. The Cardinal's words uh, sent a strong mess of confusion to Catholics and non-Catholics alike. They give the appearance that, at least in Washington, Biden's rejection of Catholic teaching is acceptable and undeserving of rebuke, yet that is not what the Catholic Church teaches, you see? Holy Communion is the core of Catholic life, the part of the Mass in which the faithful receive bread and wine that has been transformed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It is the source and summit of the Christian life. According to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it is a sacred experience that draws the recipient into the life of the Christ and makes it possible for them to lead a life of holiness. It is only open to, the, to those Catholics who are not persisting in state of mortal sin, the most serious kind in Catholic teaching. Which brings us to Biden. The church teaches that public officials who publicly support moral offensive policies, including abortion, should not present themselves for Holy Communion. In 2004, under the leadership of the, uh, of the Cardinal, who would go on to become Pope Benedict XVI, the Vatican congregation charged with upholding doctrinal doctrine released a document entitled Worthy to Receive Holy Communion, General Principles. It states that when a person's formal cooperation with the, with abortion becomes manifest, which includes consistently campaigning and voting for permissive abortion, Catholic politicians should be denied Holy Communion. The church's moral teaching does not get clearer than that. Biden, uh, sorry, bishops are required to take this issue seriously. It has led Bishop Thomas Paprocki of Springfield, Illinois, to deny Holy Communion to numerous pro-abortion Catholic politicians. The list includes Senator Dick Durbin, who voted against the bill banning abortion after 20 weeks, as well as several prominent members of the Illinois legis legislators who supported legislation making abortion a fundamental right in Illinois. The Vatican guidance is still in force. When the clergy whether a bishop, archbishop, or cardinal, treat it as non-binding, they give the false perception that Catholic teaching on abortion is also optional. Such actions say to all who see them that the Catholic Church does not truly believe or practice what it preaches. The Catholic Church lays claims to, to truth, but when push comes to shove, Will it defend the truth? If it doesn't, Catholic lose, Catholics lose confidence in the integrity of the church's teaching. Non-Catholics get the sense that the church stands for nothing. Either way, moral clarity gives way to confusion. As scripture makes it clear, 
confusion does not come from God. Fortunately, many Catholic leaders recognize this reality. Archbishop Charles Chaput, now Archbishop Emeritus of Philadelphia, put it well in early December. He wrote that, Bishops who make unlateral decisions on Holy Communion give scandal to their brother bishops and priests and to the many Catholics who struggle to stay faithful to church teaching. This is not uh, Supich, this is Chapu, uh, who put further wrote that Biden's promise to enact policy contrary to that teaching requires strong, consistent response from church leaders and the faithful. With that response, what that response will look like remains to be seen. The Catholic Church has an opportunity to work with Biden administration to advance justice and peace on many issues, including immigration reform and relief from the ravages of the coronavirus pandemic. Yet, collaboration on the areas of common ground cannot be accompanied by actions that spread confusion over Catholic teaching. In other areas, after all, that moral teaching will be around and unchanged long after Biden has left office. Well, okay. Now this is where <laughs> we're going to have to really go through this. Why didn't they support Donald, President Donald J. Trump? He was pro-life. They never made an effort to put their hands out to him. They never made an effort to welcome him. They never welcomed him. They never accepted him. Walton Gregory criticized him. A lot of the bishops did not, did, didn't do a single thing to, to welcome. They didn't bother to support him. Because everybody else in the public disliked him, they kept themselves at a distance from him. They failed. They had an opportunity, all right? They could have they could have even made the media uh, look stupid if they at least spoke up and defended him. Came out if they they could have they could have come out and they could have put Nancy Pelosi in her place. They could have put a lot of Catholic politicians who contradict the faith in their place. They never spoke out and defended him. Yeah, Trump had his had his faults you could say but the point is they could have made things they, they could have done a better job and they didn't instead they always seem to be more softer with the democrats who always always oppose the faith well, they lost their opportunity they lost the high the high moral ground a long time ago that high moral ground was lost a long time ago and to to get it back as long as they keep going soft on people like Biden and choosing sides with the culture, they will always. They Look, you got someone like James Martin going around the way he is. Look at the way, you know, he him, him and his, his uh, what do you call it, uh, the apostle to the to LGBT, Martin. <clears throat> he, you know, it's too late. They lost the high moral ground. In order to do it, they gotta they gotta burn their relationship with the Democrats, and unfortunately, they're not gonna do that. All right. Well, I'm gonna end it here. We'll be back again soon. God bless.
So let's say a prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.